I would like to introduce Jason Hauser just real briefly. I just want to say that he leads this national ministry called Seeds Family Worship. It'll become Seeds Kids Worship in uh, 2024, but for now, it's still SeedsFamilyWorship.com, and uh, they've had over 80 million downloads of their uh, scripture set to music. So Jason, I had the privilege of writing a book on family discipleship with Jason and my son. Uh, he lives in Idaho now with his national ministry that's uh, impacting families all over the place. And I can't think of anybody better to talk about family discipleship than Jason Hauser. So Jason, it's a privilege to work with you, and I'm turning it over to you now. Awesome. Thank you so much. Thank you, Bobby. And just thank you, everybody, for being a part of this. I'm so thankful to get to be a part of this conversation. This has just been a huge part of my story since the Lord impacted my family over just 25, almost 30 years ago now. It's hard to believe. And the Seeds Family Worship Ministry is in its 20th year. And as Bobby shared, what we do, but the heart of it is we want to come alongside parents and churches to disciple kids. Um, the ministry originally came out of a vacation Bible school at Harpeth Christian Church in Franklin, Tennessee. And it's amazing to see what God has done over the past 20 years as I've watched family ministry change and, and watch culture change and even just different generations. But I believe we are at such a critical and just incredibly important time right now to disciple parents in discipling their children. We've been working on an album based on scriptures in Ephesians 6 called The Armor of God. And as I'm writing songs, as I'm recording these songs, I'm meditating on these scriptures. And the theme that comes out of The Armor of God is to stand firm in our faith. And I believe that this is a time for us as church leaders, as senior pastors, as family and children's ministry directors, and as elders to help families stand firm in their faith. Now, I know we all can't hear each other and see each other, but I just want everybody to say amen to that on the count of three. One, two, three, amen. So we want to help families stand firm in their faith. There are so many things that are coming up against families in our culture. And a metaphor that I have is there's always been this fire burning in culture. Sin has always been present, but I feel like technology has poured gasoline on the fire. And I think that the younger generation has so many things coming at them. I think parents have so many things coming at them, and also there's so many distractions. And so what do we need to do? We need to prepare and equip parents. We need to give them a vision. And so one of the things that we've done here as a group around the Real Life Theology Conversations and also with the Seeds Family Ministry is to help people have a vision for the importance of discipling, especially elementary-age children and the resource that we've been talking about, Real Life Theology Conversations, from 9 to 12 is such a critical moment in these kids' lives and prepares to understand that they've got the greatest voice in the lives of their children to lead their children to the Lord and that they need to be having these conversations at home. We're competing with all these things in culture, and I think that families are so easily swept up in that without even realizing it, thinking their kids need to be involved in so many different sporting activities and music and have all these opportunities, but they're missing the greatest opportunity of helping their kids have a relationship with Jesus. And so how do we do this? We just heard the scripture from Deuteronomy 6, 4 through 7. And so I'm going to unpack that for us. I, will, I do want to read it for us one more time. I know most of you are very familiar with this scripture, 
but let's just listen and then we'll break this down in very practical ways. We had someone in our chat say, we, we're bought into this concept, but we need some practical ideas to how to impl implement this into our churches. And so that's what I want to give to you guys in this session. Hero Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your might. And these words that I command you today shall be on your heart. You shall teach them diligently to your children and you shall talk of them when you sit in your house and when you walk by the way and when you lie down and when you rise. These truths need to be the foundation blocks of every Christian home. So I want to break down four what I call foundation stones that we can teach families and help them really implement these into their own homes. Foundation stone number one is to commit that there is only one God. And like in Moses' time, people were pursuing many other gods, including the, what I believe the most popular God right now, especially in America, is the God of self. And so to reset the foundation of homes, to set this building block is to say, there's only one true God. And we need to help families just put a stake in the ground that says, we are not going to compromise on this, that we're not going to say there's many ways to heaven, there's many ways to make it to God, that we have to earn our way to God, that we're going to help families put a stake in the ground for the gospel, that it's by grace that we have been saved through faith. It's not from ourselves. It's a gift from God. And that is the truth that needs to be just that foundation to, to know there's only one God. And then foundation stone number two, disciple parents to love God and to know his word. So the training for the battle of the hearts of the next generation begins with the parents. And we need to help parents really to make it their first priority in their own lives to seek God and his word. As I mentioned briefly in just our first session, what happened for us at Harpeth Christian Church, I didn't grow up in a Christian home. I didn't have a context on how to do any kind of family discipleship, devotions, even marriage, just to how to have a healthy marriage. I come from a divorced home. And it was the church community through the leadership, through the elders, through small groups, being in Christian community, doing life with others. But it was truly a place where there's a culture of discipleship. And I think in our first session, it was mentioned by both Bobby and Jay about a culture and for a senior pastor to create a culture. And I think that's so important from a mindset of leadership is it's not just the, the instruction, but this is who we are as a church community, our culture is that we are for marriages, we are for families, we are equipping parents to disciple children. It's a different kind of culture than what has been the culture in many American churches over the past couple decades I've been serving where oftentimes parents feel like it's their job to get their children to church, it's their job to get their children to the professionals, to the children's ministry directors, and that the discipleship would happen at the church. But I think there has been a realization and an acknowledgement of what the scripture teaches that's taught back in Deuteronomy, that it's really the parents and the parents have the greatest influence and that parents are the greatest way that the children will have their own relationship with Jesus. In our discussion time, I want you guys to talk about this phrase. So we talk about family discipleship, we talk about child discipleship, but I think the church needs to have a conversation right now about parent discipleship. How do we disciple parents instead of just like, hey, we're going to have a parenting class, we're gonna have a parenting weekend. All these things are awesome. But again, what does it look like to have a culture that is rooted in parent discipleship? We are going to equip parents to live out Deuteronomy 6 in their homes. 
Foundation stone number three, teach them diligently. We need to help families have a strategy. And so what is a strategy that a parent can have to pass their faith down to their children? One of the things that I teach when I go into churches with Seeds Family Worship is what I call a spiritual family night. Now, families are often encouraged to have a family night, have family dinner together. That is awesome. And that's the setup for a spiritual family night. But a spiritual family night is when everyone knows that this night is centered around the Lord. And so there will be a meal, there'll be a time to pray, but there can be some kind of a, a Bible study. There could be some kind of a devotion. In our home, we used right now media videos at certain seasons. We read, we would read through a whole book together at times. At one point, one of my kids were <laughs> in their later teens. I was, and we take the kids' ideas as they're teenagers, like, what do you guys want to read? And, and one of our sons said, we want to read Mere Christianity together. And I thought, that is a little thick for our family and devotion time. And we did not get through the whole book together, but we did read quite a bit together and we had some awesome discussions together. So I'm definitely not suggesting that you're, especially with your young children, that you read mere Christianity. But I do suggest taking what can start out as five, 10, 15 minutes, half an hour, but having family times where you have conversations based around the Lord. As Bobby spoke earlier, you know, he mentioned this, the quote from Martin Luther, and he said, at least once a week. And to me, that's a rhythm that I think is very healthy for modern families to commit to say, we are going to have a spiritual family time once a week. It's not going to be based on religion. It's not like we have to do this. If we don't do this, God's not going to be pleased with us, but it's going to be part of our family culture that we spend time together seeking God in his word and praying. Once again, that Christian parents understand the greatest opportunity for their children to have an authentic relationship with Jesus is through them. And one of the things that my wife and I were committed to since our kids were born, since our oldest son was born, is that we always prayed for our kids. We'd go into their rooms when they were in their crib and we would pray. My wife and I prayed together individually and we prayed for them in the elementary age years. We prayed them through the teen years, but prayer was a, a big part of our family culture and specifically for my wife and I, praying that we prayed for our kids. And so... I think of all the things that we messed up and all the things we could have done better. Now that I'm an empty nester, I can really look back and I'm very nostalgic in this season of life. But the thing that I know that had the, I believe had the greatest impact was the fact that we committed to pray and that God had worked through our prayers and worked in our family. And even at times we were discipled in this, elders told us that to ask God to, to help us to know everything that we needed to know. And so we prayed that over our kids in the teen years, and there were some times, like the family they shared with us, that we knew things. Our kids were shocked that we knew. And they're like, how did you know that I did that? How did you know that I went there? Because we prayed that God showed us that. And we didn't have a heart to punish our children when they got off the path, but we had a heart to disciple and discipline them in the ways that they should go. And so we would take those moments as learning opportunities. And yes, there would be some pain in discipleship, but we would our goal was to win their hearts and to have them walking with the Lord. And so I just encourage you to encourage your families to make it a part of your culture to pray for your children. And then I just want to share this as my last point here on this foundation stone. But in a conference we recently did, parents were talking about their kids not following Jesus and the pain that they were dealing with in knowing their adult children, even though they taught them, they sacrificed 
to teach them that their kids weren't walking with the Lord. And so I just want to encourage you as a parent, you may be a grandparent or as a ministry leader, we know that our children have free will. And even though we never could do everything right, even if we follow these principles, there's not a guarantee that our children will follow the Lord. But I want to encourage you, the story is still being written. And so I continue to, I, I encourage you to continue to pray, continue to believe for them and continue to walk with them and love them even in the most difficult seasons that your child knows that you love them unconditionally, just like the Lord loves us, even though you may not be agreeing with the choices that they're making. So just be encouraged by that. And as a ministry leader, I just encourage you to be sensitive to the pain that people are going through with their own families and their own children in the prodigal seasons so that you can come alongside them and pray for them and encourage them. And then finally, foundation stone number four is we need to equip parents to disciple. And so it's not enough just to provide parenting class or a small group. This strategy involves creating a culture where parents understand these passages and realign their parenting and rhythm of their family with them. Sometimes in our church that we need to just be aware that we need to look at ourselves as leaders and go, we need to change the culture of our church, that we have told parents they need to bring their kids to church and that we were going to disciple them. And it begins with this message of Deuteronomy 6. It begins with you casting vision, but then not just putting a burden on these families, but saying, we're going to come alongside you. We're going to help teach you. We're going to do the parent discipleship to help you do these things in your homes. And very practically, to teach parents that they need to have, I'm going to give you three specific conversations that parents need to have at home with their children. And that they need to hear not just from their children's ministry leader, not just from the lead pastor, but from mom and dad or the leaders of their home. That Genesis 1-1, when the child asks, where did the world come from? And if they're in public schools, they're going to be taught something radically different from what's in scripture. But that a child hears from their parent, I believe that in the beginning that God created the heavens and the earth. That when we look at creation, we see the greatness, the power, the love, the beauty of God, that God created the heavens and the earth, that there was, the earth was, was without form and void and darkness was over the face of the deep. And God said, let there be light and life exploded into being. Light came to be. It was through God. So encourage your parents to teach their children about creation and to have those conversations as they go. Number two, Genesis 1, 27, that God created man in his own image, in the image of God, he created them. Male and female, he created them. So we are made in God's image and we are made unique. That the world is coming after the identity of our children, that we need to speak into them. Parents need to say to their children, you were made in God's image, that, that we reflect the image of God and that God made you male, God made you female. And as we deal with gender dysphoria, as we deal with all this confusion, the enemy is sowing so many seeds of confusion. We need to speak truth, to speak the truth in love in our own homes. And so we need to help our kids have their identity in Christ and who God says they are. Can everybody say amen to that? All right, and finally, moving to the New Testament, John 14, 6, that Jesus said, I am the way and the truth and the life. And no one comes to the Father except through me. That the one way that we make it to have a relationship with the one true God is through Jesus. He is the narrow way. He is the only way. That parents are teaching their children the only way to have 
the right relationship with God is through Jesus, through the forgiveness of our sins and through the gospels. That the parents, that we can equip parents to share these truths with their own children. And as I finish here, I just want to commend you, as we'll be talking about in our next session, this resource that we've created that I'm honored to, to be one of the authors, creators, the creative art director. We put a whole lot into really the pictures and the design of Real Life Theology Conversations because this is such a visual generation. And each of these pictures in each section speak theological truths to children. And this is an opportunity. This is a tool for parents to lead their kids through these truths. And we start with how can we know the truth about God? That this, the culture is saying we can't even know truth. And so we start right there and address this at, at that critical age, nine to 12. You can know truth and that Jesus is the truth. And we begin that journey through this. And as you discover this as one tool, but it's less about the tools, this tool or other tools that you use, but it's more about equipping and encouraging and inspiring your parents to do their most important job and calling is to disciple their kids, to help them have their own relationship with Jesus. All right, I just want to close in praying for all of us. So Lord, we just pray. Lord, this is your plan. This is your word. God, we pray over every church leader represented here. And we just pray, Lord, that you will just speak into the lives of the families that they are serving and that they represent. Lord, that you will give a vision to your church in America and beyond for what it looks like for parents to disciple children, for the church to come alongside, for lead pastors to, to cast this vision and ministry directors and all of us working together, God, to make an impact on your truth and your life being in the next generation. We love you, Lord. We pray in Jesus' name. Everyone said, amen. All right. Amen. Amen. Great job, Jason. Thank you, Bobby. Uh, so, Jason, I have a few questions for you. You're working at a national level on disciple making in a way that very few people, probably only a handful in the country are. And you mentioned something, and that is that you're finding that one night a week for a family night conversation around spiritual items, and I may be saying this wrong. Yeah, that's right. Uh, that, that that's the kind of thing that's needed. Talk to us about that, but how every day we're still discipling our children through you know prayers in the morning and prayers at night and listening to music for the worship songs and so forth. Yes. And we had a question come in from Cincy too, that kind of talked about how do you weigh, you know, some of the more intentional curriculum versus the everyday discipleship. But yeah, according to the Deuteronomy 6 model, like talk about them when you sit at your house, when you walk by the way, when you lie down and when you rise. So that captures all of the moments, right? In the story but it's having that intentionality every single day. So there's always teachable moments that we have in our mind. It's one of the benefits too of memorizing scripture. The Holy Spirit can bring a scripture to a moment. You can have the scripture to share with your children, to, to pour into their lives. And so there is, it's every single day that you're talking about the things of the Lord as you go through life and as you, your children have experiences. So that's one side of it, I think, according to Deuteronomy 6. But the other side is, and I will, take the phrase, sit at your house. You know, that there's an intentionality, that there's a scheduling that happens to say, at least in a consistency, you know, that I would just say to have a day a week that you can just say, we're going to intentionally sit down. And it works best to me if you share a meal together and then 
have a time where you're going to pray together, have a devotion, have some kind of a uh, spiritual conversation. There's typically things that spark these spiritual conversations. And it can be things that are happening at times, you know, for us, we'd be sitting down and say, hey, this happened in our family this week with maybe siblings fighting or a big disappointment that's happened or a big victory that's happened. Like, hey, let's talk about this. But rather than just talking about it in the moment, we're going to set aside just like leadership in a, in a corporation or in a church, right? There are things that are happening that the CEO is going to sit down and go, hey, let's unpack the thing that's happened within our church or business. We're going to unpack that. Well, this, the leader of the spiritual leader of the home, which again, we come in fathers to that, but it can be mothers, whoever's leading these children, that's going to take that responsibility that they're going to speak into the things that are happening and put them in the spiritual context. And ultimately the goal is to help the children grow in their relationship with the Lord, come into a relationship with the Lord, but to be intentionally discipling their children. Jason, before uh, Jay jumps in and Jay will let you have the final words here, talk to us a little bit about Seeds music. So it's the idea of memorizing scripture through just learning these songs. Yeah, so it's amazing, Bobby. You know, you've had a a 50-yard line seat for this whole story of what God has done. But we've been in ministry, as I mentioned, 20 years. We've done over 200 scripture-based worship songs, you know, different versions of the Bible. But it's really to get God's word in the hearts of kids. Psalm 119 says, how can a young man keep his way pure by guarding it according to your word? I have stored up your word in my heart that I may not sin against you. Then when we're helping kids know God's word, it's going to help them to follow him and help them to know God's truth. And I meet so many parents that are so disturbed about all the lies in culture right now. And I also am disturbed in the same way. But the greatest way for us to combat those lies are with truth. And the fun thing about Seeds is we have these songs. They're just mostly fun. They're worship songs that you can sing together as a family. Kids can sing. You play them in the car. You can say, you know, uh, Alexa, play Seeds Family Worship. If you have it on in in your house right now, it might just might have just started, you know, (laughs) because I've had that happen before. But you can, you can just get God's word in your heart in such an easy way. And it creates a way to talk about scriptures in the word. And then kids, you know, they say by the time we're 18, we know over 2,000 songs just memorized. You know, there's a few songs from the 80s, Bobby. I wish I could click delete in my brain and make them. Uh, okay. But how cool is it that we can put God's word into the hearts of our kids through music? And so that's what we try to do as seeds with parents. Then also in churches, we're used to, in children's ministries. Um, where they can sing God's word and they get God's word in their heart. Our ultimate mission is we say kids sing God's word so they can know God's word, but ultimately so they can love God. And that's the heart of seeds. Right. Jay. Just to tag on that, what we find is that um, scripture put to music doesn't only affect the kids, it affects the adults. It is something that carries with them. The Bible also says something there that when you put the word of God in your heart, that you do not sin. So there's something about that piece and confronting the word of God and how it changes us from the inside out. So it's, uh, yay, Jason. <laughs> um, thank, thank you for you what you doing. Thank you for uh, put, making it, make, putting the cookies on the low shelf for scripture memorization. It's really good. The Shema that we just talked about, Deuteronomy, one of the things that we do is we we put a bracelet t- together that says head, heart, and hands. That's basically what Deuteronomy 6 says. Love the Lord God with your head, with your heart, and with your hands. What you think about, what you feel, and how you act. 
And so we give that to the entire church. It's not just for our children's ministry or our, just our parents. We want everybody praying for our kids. We want them thinking about it because the, it starts with, the Shema starts with, hear, O Israel. And he's talking to the parents and the, all of the leaders. We've got to put it in our hearts first so it becomes this overflow of love for God that just spills out on our children. That culture is just so vibrant and so fun. And you see people in their 70s that are just excited about the children that they're that are they're in ministry with. And yay, I'm totally excited about just that whole concept of the Shema, putting that as the forefront. What I think we're challenged with is that it was very clear what the fathers were to do. They were every day to, to read the Torah and to go through the scriptures. Where we are challenged is that we're so topical base that we never get to teaching children really good theology that begins with our sin. And so those are the things that are so key. It's not just about moral development or raising kids that act yeah. nice. It's about kids that know Jesus Christ and know his sacrifice for them and the salvation that comes through that. That's so good. And that's why the real life theology conversations, the 52 questions, 52 answers, 52 chapters with, you know, in-depth information is so important. We're going to come back before too long here. We're going to have a shorter time for our breakout groups, but uh, I wanted to encourage everybody with something. Jason Hauser and I have spent a lot of time on this over the years, and years ago, I did the in-depth research on this, and it's, I haven't gone back and redone the research, but I've observed the same thing. And that's the question with children that parents often have. Should I send my children to a Christian school? Should I homeschool them? Or will they make it in the public schools? Now, I personally am seeing public schools being a harder challenge all the time. But I want to say this. The biggest predictor of a child's faithfulness is not if they go to a Christian school. It's not if they're homeschooled. And it's not if they go to a public school. The biggest predictor is that the parents heavily discipled their children through intentional, relational disciple-making on a daily basis. So the biggest predictor is still uh, within our hands. It yeah. doesn't depend on the school choice and all that. Although the school choice is important, I'm not saying that's not a factor. It's a factor. But let's remember the primary factor. The most primary factor is that parents live out the faith and they intentionally disciple their children every day. Amen. And that's Say amen. You want to it, add anything to that? And that's Deuteronomy 6. That's what we've just been teaching. That's what we need to teach. This it's the blueprint for discipleship and for faithfulness, right? Is yes. doing what the exactly and it starts with the parents and this the school choice is a very big deal right now, but Bobby, that's just speaking some incredible truth. I think that we can speak to our parents is it's your intentionality living out God's plan in your home. And, yeah. and then if God, if, if your child is struggling, let's say your child is in a public school, you're going to be connected. You're going to know your yeah. adjustments. If it, it's more about you, your connectedness with the Lord and setting that example. All right. Well, uh, gentlemen, thank you. We're going to pause here. Jay, we're looking forward to this material as you're going to yeah. show actually practically how do we do this? Thanks, everyone.